Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back to the GP, the Generators Podcast with me, Trent McClellan. Hope you're having a fantastic week and I uh, hope last week was great for you and stuff just working out in your favor, you know? I really, I really, really hope that. Um, I hope you're well and uh, this, I'm recording this thing, uh, what is it, Sunday night here? And uh, tomorrow is our last show of this block before the holidays. So I have to go in tomorrow, Monday, and uh, we record our live show in front of the audience. And then that's it. I'm done for a bunch of weeks. I got time off. That's it. Get to unwind. Just kick back, you know? It's weird when you have an extended time off because, you know, everyone looks forward to a break, but then after... You know, you get into a certain flow of working and what a day looks like or what a week looks like. Then you're given all this time off and you're kind of like, well, what do I, what do I do? What did I used to do with all my time when I just had my own time, you know? So I think there'll be a little bit of that of uh, kind of recalibrating, figuring out what it is I do. But uh, going to go back to Calgary, catch up with some people, see what's going on in the real world back there. And uh and yeah, looking forward to it. Kind of get reset. And then uh, next thing you know, it's 2020. Just like that. It's full-on holiday mode now, Christmas mode. Christmas decorations are up everywhere. And for me, it still feels like a long ways away. But like it is like we got Christmas Santa Claus parades going on here in Halifax. Lights are up. I'm like, yeah, I guess this is it. It's really, it's really here. I think it's throwing me off because our break is coming way earlier this year than we normally have it. And uh, so I'm like, it just seems like we're ending earlier. And so I haven't put two and two together of, oh, yeah, Christmas is coming. So now I think uh, once I get back to Calgary, I'll be kind of more in full Christmas mode and, and be in the vibe of things. Um, thanks to everyone who's been listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Appreciate the support. And those of you following me on uh, Instagram and Facebook and all those things, I really appreciate the support. Tour date's not quite ready yet. Um, it's taking a little longer than we thought. Hopefully, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, have something this week to announce. Uh, so uh, thank you for your patience. But hopefully, yeah, we'll be able to put something out there in the world this week um, uh, if things go well. This week, I'm doing something a little different. I decided that... Um, I'm not going to have a guest. I'm just going to do all the talking because I'm selfish. No, I, I wanted to address something that seems to come up a lot. Um, in particular, I get asked about it a lot uh, as a stand-up comedian or performer. And then I see it kind of ride, like you know, show its head in all sorts of different ways in other people's lives. So I thought, why don't I just talk a little bit about it and my kind of perspective on it. And that thing is the F word, fear. Um, I don't know how many times in my career in like 15, 16 years of performing that people have come up to me and said, you know, I don't know how you do it. How do you get up there in front of all those people and try and make them laugh? I'd never be able to go up and go up in front of people and and do that thing. And, uh, and I understand that. It's a very... Uh, it's a little of an insane thing, really. It's a crazy thing to think, okay, you're going to get up in front of strangers and attempt to make them make a sound, which is called laughter. 
and I get that. But fear in general seems to kind of be a big, um, a big giant set of handcuffs for most people in terms of keeping them from the things that they really want to do. It's always fear in some way, shape, or form. And so I thought, I, I've kind of looked into it a little bit over the last bunch of years. I've done a lot of reading about it and kind of researching it a little bit. And I'll kind of tell you how I look at that whole concept of fear and maybe some tips to kind of push through it to get to whatever it is that you want to do. Um, I, <clears throat> first of all, fear in general, you know, we need it. We need a level of it because it, quite frankly, keeps us alive, everybody. Okay? If you didn't have fear built in, we wouldn't have survived as a species. You know, you got you to gotta be fearful and know when danger is around you. So that's what we had built in and hardwired so that we could assess what was dangerous, what situations were safe, which ones were unsafe. And that's what kept you alive as an individual, as a species. So you need fear, you know. You, you need a certain level of it to just be able to, to stay alive. You need to go to a busy intersection and realize there's a lot of cars flying through there at a high speed you need to be afraid of that. Otherwise, you walk right out in traffic and it's all over. So we all have this kind of hardwired in us all the time just to kind of stay, just to survive. So, you know, that's the thing. It's, it's always going to be there and we have to kind of live with it in some capacity. My story for stand-up is, it goes back way earlier than that. Um, I was living in Newfoundland for... I guess it would have been like 29, 30 years. And then I realized like, okay, I need to make a move. I had no job. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta roll the dice and step out of here and try and create a new life for myself. And it was, it was hard because all my family, all my friends were back in Newfoundland. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's all I knew. And I did not know what the next step was going to be. At one point, I think I was really strongly considering going to either Japan or Korea to teach English, um, was kind of kicking tires on that and talking to some folks who'd done it. And then uh, I decided my girlfriend at the time was in California, and she suggested that we try Calgary. So, you know, the economy was really good, and she's like, you know, it would probably be better for both of us. So... Once I decided that, I was like, okay, well, I've always wanted to try stand-up comedy. And so why don't I go, once I move to Calgary, I'll go to an amateur night and see what happens. But before I ever get to a stage, just to leave the province, there was a ton of fear. Because I didn't know what was on that other side. And I'm leaving everything that's familiar to me and comfortable for me. And I don't know what the next step is or what it looks like. And I think that's the big thing that makes people fearful is that we don't know what the next step looks like. It's why people go to university or go to school um, because steps are laid out for you. Take this course, take the next course, you take this degree, boom, you get this thing, piece of paper, and now you go on and you get this job. So it's all kind of laid out for you. So that's why people tend to go to that one reason anyway. So I feel like that was a large part of it was <clears throat> just that fear of I don't know what it looks like on the other side. And that is terrifying for most people. And I think the other thing I would say is that about comfort zones, there's a good quote, I think it was by Seth Godin. He tells a story about how he had a good friend of his who was uh, who was unemployed and she was looking for a new job and 
he had kind of suggested things that she could do to, to find a new job. And of all the things he suggested, she said, well, I don't really want to do those because they're not in my comfort zone. And then I think he suggested to her, maybe your comfort zone doesn't work for you. <laughs> and I thought that was a pretty cool uh, statement and answer to someone because I thought about my own life and I'm like, man, how many times have I had a comfort zone? And then I realized like, yeah, maybe that comfort zone is not the best thing for me. Maybe it's comfortable and I know it and I like it to a certain degree, but maybe for me to do the things I want to do, I'm going to have to leave that comfort zone. And so I think the first real, you know, seismic example of that was leaving Newfoundland for the first time and moving and living in another province. So <clears throat> I move, I move in with some friends in, in Calgary for a couple months, shout out to Paul and Lenora Collins. They took good care of me for a couple months. Then I got my own place and then I'm like, all right, I'm going to try this stand up thing. So, you know, you can write as much as you want. You can write down jokes. You can, you know, I was watching uh, the documentary comedian by Jerry Seinfeld. I'd uh, watched that and that, documentary was really important for me because if you've never seen it it's it's basically Jerry Seinfeld throwing away his whole act you know back in the early 2000s and then he was this documentary captures him trying to rebuild a brand new hour of material and that's the A story the B story is this up and coming comic named Orny Adams who's really hungry to make it and is they're kind of following his his kind of climb up the ladder as well so anyway the reason why that movie was so important is because before I'd done comedy and was kind of interested in doing it, the great thing about this documentary was it showed you the process. It showed you Jerry Seinfeld on stage bombing, showing him with index cards like in front of him um, on stage at the time, trying to remember how a joke goes. And the first time I went, oh, oh, there's a process to it. You don't, it's not just everything you think of as amazingly funny. You actually have to go and work stuff out on stage and figure out what works in front of a, on a group of an audience of strangers. So I was like, well, I can do that. I thought you had to just be a genius right off the bat and everything you said was just magical and, and just destroyed the room with laughter. But it turns out there's a whole you know, creative process to it. So I was like, well, I can do that. I can, I can fail. I mean, if that's where you start is by failing, I'm like, well, I, can, I know I can do that. So that movie was really important for me. But then when you go to a comedy club for the first time, you're terrified. I mean, like, I mean, I get there's different levels of fear in life, but like when you're standing in the wings and the host says, okay, we're about to introduce your next act and you're that person and you've never been on stage before and it's a room of like, you know, 300 people or 270 people, whoever it was, a jam-packed comedy club and they're all, they've all paid money and they're sitting there like, all right, you know, the host was really good, so bring out the next guy. And, like, there's nowhere to hide in that moment. It is, and I've told this story before, but, like, my knees were literally quivering. I've never had that moment ever in my life, but my knees were literally shaking. And I thought, if I can just get to the microphone, like, if I can just go left, right, left, right, and get my legs to walk me to the microphone, then, you know, that will be a success. And then, of course, I managed to get myself to the stage, to the mic, and... Luckily, people laughed at most of the stuff I was saying. So, you know, I was validated in that moment that, okay, I'd made the right choice and the way I'd written this stuff works. And so I was encouraged by it. But I was full of fear when I did it. I mean, it was, 
absolute terror. I mean, there's nowhere to hide. There's no one to help you. It's literally you just against that audience. So it's, it's nothing but fear, you know? Um, and I think that was a big moment for me because I was like, well, I, I was able to push through it and, and just get to the stage and actually do it. So I was gonna, the victory would have been, even if it didn't go well, I can say I tried it. I went and I did stand-up comedy. Most people in their lifetime will probably never, ever do it. And I attempted it, and so that will be the victory. And then to then, you know, have some success that first time out and then, you know, have this moment of like, oh, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life was like, you know, it was just so huge. And it changed my life, no doubt about it. But that fear was immense at that time. I mean, there was I could have made every excuse in the book to, to not go through with it. Um, and I think that's the crazy thing about fear, too, is that it doesn't always look the same. You know, fear is one of those things that will, um, it'll manifest itself in different ways. One example of fear that I thought was really cool that someone explained was this idea of perfectionism. And uh, I think a lot of us do that in our life where they, we want to do something, but it's not the right time or... You know, you want to start painting, but you're like, but I don't have the right supplies or I don't have the whatever. Or you want to play guitar, but, you know, I want to get this really expensive guitar, but I don't have enough money for that yet. When really you're just lying to yourself. It's like you can get an old beater guitar somewhere like on Kijiji or Facebook Marketplace or something. You're just learning anyway. What do you care? Right. You don't need, you know, the most expensive, expensive paint supplies to just start painting like you just want to create um, you know, so I think we do that all the time is, is try and put obstacles in our way because we're scared. We're scared to start. We're afraid to fail. And, uh, as a result, we, we convince ourselves that, well, this is a good reason not to do it because I don't have the following stuff and I don't have whatever. And, uh, that's why I tell new comedians all the time. It's like, you have to just get up on stage. You can talk about it with your friends. You can talk about it with other comedians, you can, you know, watch videos on it and read books on it and all that stuff can help. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to take yourself and get on stage and go for it. And that means pushing through any fear that you have and stop, you know, lying to yourself and bullshitting yourself. You're just going to have to push through it and go for it. And then you'll have information from that performance and then you can decide if you want to do the next one. But you've got to get the first one out of the way. you got to do it. So... Fear will manifest itself in a lot of different ways. And um, when you start lying to yourself, it, it, that's when it gets really, really tough, you know. And, and just think about this, it, like it manifests itself in so many different areas of your life. So if you're in a relationship that's not great, if you're in a job that you don't necessarily love, that kind of, you know, takes your energy and you don't enjoy anymore. Um, if you're living in a city and you feel like it's not working out for you, like, we can make up a lot of different reasons why we can't change or why we can't move or change our situation. But at the end of the day, I would argue that nine times out of 10, it's fear is that you, we've, we're afraid of, of what the next step is going to be or what it's going to look like. We don't have a guarantee as to what that's going to be. And therefore we just would rather stay in the situation we're in, even though we're not happy and we're not comfortable. It's just, we know it, we know we're familiar with it. So we'll stay with that as opposed to, have a chance to be happier and better stepping into the unknown. We're just too terrified to do that. Um, so I think that's the, the crazy thing about fear is that it doesn't obviously, I mean, we have the out and out fear of like when you're fearful for your life and you, 
you know, you feel like you're in danger, danger. That's very obvious and a very, you know, traditional form of fear. But I think there's these other sneakier forms that we have to be really, really careful of, you know, and think about that, like how many different ways it manifests itself in your life. Like, you know, you want to ask somebody out or you want to, you know, talk to your boss about a, a promotion or a job or a new project that you'd like to take on or whatever it is. It's like we start inventing these backstories to, to why we can't do things. And um, it, it's, it holds us back. It keeps us from doing the things that we really, truly want to do. And one of the things I think that fear does too is it, it does cause us to write stories. It causes us to, to, uh, to see a future event or even a current event and then we attach some kind of story to it that gives it even more gravity, I guess, you know? So for me in that situation of, you know, considering leaving Newfoundland and moving to Calgary, I mean, I, you know, I would have been telling myself self stuff like, well, I've never been in a city that big and I don't really know a whole lot of people up there and I don't have a job lined up. So what am I going to do for that? And what am I going to do for money? And, you know, it's just worry, worry, worry and creating these scenarios that would prevent me from getting on a plane and leaving. And it was really hard. I mean, I think I even was supposed to leave like three or four weeks prior to it, but I kind of kept delaying it and delaying it because it was like probably fear just holding me back about, oh, it's not a good day to go or, oh, someone's birthday is next week, so I'll stick around another week for that. Like you just keep pushing the date. And at the end of the day, again, it's just fear wearing a costume, you know? It's, uh, it was like, oh, yeah, eventually I got to pull the trigger and do this thing or it's going to be Christmas and, oh, we got to stay now. I mean, it's Christmas holidays. I mean, you can't go to Calgary now, you know? It's really tough. Um, so I, I think those stories that we tell ourselves are really, really dangerous too about why we can't do something or why we can't do it right now. Uh, when you can wash all that away and just strip it down to what you actually want to do, you you realize that all that stuff was just an excuse, in my experience anyway. That's what it tends to be is that you know, you're just scared. And I've had that where I've talked to other people, whether I'm talking to them, telling them about my situation that I'm going through or they're telling me about a situation they're going through, you'll hear the reasons why they're not doing that thing they want to do. And when you chip away at all the reasons why, it always comes down to they were afraid. They were, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. And what if this happens? And what if I ask my boss for a raise? And he says, you know, uh, no. Or now he thinks that I'm going to be trouble. Or he thinks that I think I'm too good for that. Whatever. You just start creating these scenarios and stories in your head, none of which is true. It might be true. But you don't know that to be true at the moment. You've just started to create this narrative. And uh, it doesn't help you going forward because it prevents you from taking that action that you, that you want to take. Um, and the crazy thing about it, I think, too, for a lot of people is that, and what I found for myself, is that when you, when you blow through fear the first time, especially a big one that you may have had for a long time, the doors that it opens up in other areas of your life are massive. Like when I, once I walked on stage and did stand up, I was like, okay, like what else? Like what else, what else would I like to do? What else would I like to try and attempt? Or, you know, um, part of that too. And I think I mentioned, might've mentioned in a, in a podcast from a couple of years back was that, you know, when, you know, I lost my mom when I was at a, per, like, you know, when I was like just graduating from university, like, which is very devastating and, out of the blue, she wasn't sick, I didn't see it coming, um, and you get through it. And I think for me, that was the biggest fear in my life, which was that um, it then happens, you survive it, 
And I think that was like, well, what else can I, what else, what else you got life? Bring it. Let's go. Like that was, that was a real shot to the guts and that floored me and brought me to my knees, but I survived it and I'm back on my feet again. So what's next? And I think in, in a lot of ways that was that getting through that allowed me to actually get on stage for the first time because I thought, well, I already been through that and nothing will be worse than that. So I got to go on stage and try and tell jokes. Yeah, I'm scared and I don't know how it's going to go. And I don't even know if my legs will actually carry me to the actual microphone, but I want to try and push through that and get there. And uh, because I'd been through something already that was pretty traumatic and tough. So when you do push through fear and you m manage to, to conquer it and get through, uh, it's amazing how it kind of opens up other areas of your life and then you, you look to do it. And you don't run from it all the time anymore. You kind of recognize it in your stomach. You realize this thing makes you feel weird or a little tense or whatever. And then you can go, hmm, yeah, but what if I step into it? What if I go towards it instead of run away from it? And, uh, and, and, you know, you're kind of encouraged by what could happen because you've, you've gone through it before and it was, it turned out well. Now, sometimes it doesn't turn out well. That's the other thing. You know, what if I'd gone on stage the first time and it didn't go well and it sucked and no one laughed and I bombed, I still would have survived. I still would have gotten up the next day. You know, there's still air in my lungs. It's like, it's not fatal. You know, it's just like, okay, that didn't work, you know? So I think that's the other thing too, is like when you are fearful of something, that other idea of, okay, well asking yourself, why are you afraid? And then you can, if you can, some people even write it down, you know, well, if I do this, this bad thing could happen or this bad thing can happen. And it's like, okay, but if that happened, then what else would you do? Well, I would do this if that happened. Like you always have a plan for it. You can always figure out a way to get through it once you're rational about it. But when it's just up in your head, you just, you don't, you can't think about it rationally. You can't sit down and go, okay, well, if that did happen, what would happen? Well, if it didn't go well, you get up the next day and live your life like you normally would. Exactly. So really there's nothing to fear. Let's just, let's just go do this thing and see if it works. Um, so I see it now when new comedians get up for the first time and I know it's terrifying and the lights are bright and you're looking at all these strange faces who are just looking at you like, all right, bring it. And you know, it's, that's a really terrifying moment for a lot of people. But I, a number of years ago, <clears throat> I don't know, this must have been well over a decade ago, uh, a good friend of mine who's a comedian, Chris Gordon, um, who also has his education degree, so he's, he was a teacher as well for a couple of years. Um, we had this comedy school that where we did uh, an after-school program for kids where we taught them kind of, you know, the ABCs of joke writing and stand-up, and then these kids would go to a comedy club after all of our coaching, after like eight or ten weeks, We'd invite all their family and friends, and then they would get to perform, you know, stand-up for the first time. And we would, you know, encourage them to write about their life or what goes on in their school or just, you know, make it personal for them. And, you know, some of these kids were as young as, like, 9 or 10 years old, and then, you know, other kids were, like, you know, 16 or 17. And we set up the program at the time because we thought it would be really cool for us as kids. It would have been really great to have that as an avenue. You know, you have you know, music and you have, you know, sports programs and stuff and drama. But I'm like, what about stand-up? Imagine if that would have been a program in my school. Maybe I would have found stand-up earlier. Now, maybe I wouldn't have. Maybe I would have been too afraid to do it. But I thought, you know, so we do it, do the program. And the kids were amazing. They were so good, like awesome. Um, and they worked really, really hard. And, you know, I remember so many shows when we would have their family and friends in the comedy club and we're going to do this. And these kids, you know, on the night of are scared. I mean, you can imagine being 10 years old or 11 
all of your, not all, but a bunch of your classmates are going to show up, a bunch of your friends, you know, your folks are there, your grandmother's there. Like, it is a big deal. And you got one shot at this. It's not like, oh, yeah, we're doing a bunch of shows and you can work out the kinks. It's like you have one shot to do this. And, you know, every single time these kids would just march up there scared as hell and deliver. And it was just such a cool thing to watch. And then we would get feedback from a lot of their teachers and parents months down the road saying that, like, how some of these kids have changed because for the better, because now they have more confidence, they are less fearful in other areas of their life. And, you know, because we really believed in it. Like, if you can get through this, if you can do stand-up comedy at 12, 13, 14, stand up in front of people and deliver your jokes, I mean, that takes courage. It takes conviction. And it takes a certain level of confidence. And... It also takes the ability to push through fear. We had one girl I'll never forget. She was absolutely terrified. Like she was actually crying off to the side of the stage before she was about to be introduced. And I think we had to kind of talk her down a little bit. Like, hey, just you know, relax. Take some deep breaths. You're going to be fine. You know your stuff. You've rehearsed it. We've helped you with it. It's good. Just got to get up there. Deliver it just like you've been doing. And she did it, and it did great, and it was awesome. And it was a big moment for her, you know, to, to be so terrified and still move your feet in the direction of the fear is hard. It's really hard. And to watch those kids do it, it was so inspiring. And inspiring for not just us, but for everyone that was in the room watching them, you know. It was, it was just a really cool moment. Um, so I, I really feel like if you can get a handle on that in your own life and spot it... Um, it's really weird, too, because fear is really subtle sometimes. I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, you ever go in your closet, and you look at a shirt, and you're like, yeah, I'd like to wear that one. And then quickly in your mind, you go, I don't know if that color looks good on me. I don't know if that fits right. I don't know if that... And, and most of that stuff is fear based on what you think other people are going to think. <laughs> you know? It's like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to... If someone thinks I can pull off this color. I don't know if fuchsia is my color. It's like, if you want to wear fuchsia, put on fuchsia. What do, what do you care? But you're already thinking about, well, what are people going to say at work? And if I walk in the office looking like this or if I go to work wearing this, you know, we're afraid of what people's reaction is going to be. And, uh, you know, if you're a performer or someone who creates stuff in general, there is a, a huge amount of fear with just putting your stuff out in the world. You know, it's it's terrifying. It's terrifying even now. Not terrifying, but it's scary to to go up with new material for me and go to an open mic or go to a show and try it for the first time. It's still scary. It's still like, I don't know if this is going to go. I mean, you learn that it's not fatal, as I said earlier, but still it's not, it's, you're trying to find your way through this. So it may not succeed and you have to be willing to give it multiple attempts to try and get it to a point where it will now be something. But that means you have to just trust that maybe there's going to be some silence for a while, but I'm going to find my way through it. And you get more and more comfortable with that each time that you do it. Um, but it, it's, it's a really, really deceptive thing. And so when you really start being mindful of it, <clears throat> excuse me, and watching for it, um, it gets a little bit easier to detect, you know. Um, and I, I feel like there's so many people in their lives right now who are in situations they don't want to be in, but they're afraid to make the change because they don't know what they're going to what they're going to do on the other end. They don't have plan B figured out. And I always think like, yeah, but if you got rid of plan A, 
you would figure out plan B because you'd have no other, other alternative. You would figure it out, you know? So if you, you know, what's that adage of, you know, take the island and burn the boats. If you get to the island and burn your boats, you're on that island now. So you've got to figure out and make, <laughs> make your way. There's no boat to get back on. So I feel like for a lot of people in their lives, quite often, that's the kind of mentality you have to take is that I'm going forward and there will be no retreat. There was like, I'm going in this direction because the place I've been in has not been good. I know it. And, uh, I got to move forward. And when you see, I see that with a lot of people too, where they, they know their situation's bad and they know whether it's their work or the relationship or whatever the situation is, it's not good. Their health maybe is not good and they know they can make changes. It's like, you have to get to a point where you're like, yeah, I'm going to push through that fear because it's, it's better than where I am right now. And once you do that, stuff can change really, really quick. But you got to get to that ground zero moment of like, yeah, pushing through the fear is far better than waking up tomorrow morning in the exact same situation that I'm in right now. And when you get to that point, that's when stuff starts happening. That's when it gets good and you start transitioning. The other thing I think people forget is how many times you've already pushed through fear in your life and had success on the other end. You know, if you can ride a bike, you didn't know how to ride a bike at the beginning. You probably fell lots of times. You're probably scared after you fell and smacked your head or hit your knee. And I'm sure you were gun shy to get back on that bike again, but you did it. And then you learned how to ride a bike and then you mastered it and you probably never fell again. But you had to push through all that walking the same thing. If you're lucky enough to be able to walk, you probably fell a bunch of times and took a couple knocks and then you eventually figured it out and then you never even thought about it anymore. It just became a regular thing that you just do and it's not even something you're conscious of anymore. So it's a tough thing in people's lives and I, I don't know, I just see it show up a lot of times in conversations that I have with other people and, uh, you know, I feel like, especially as a stand-up, people ask me that a lot about, well, I don't know how you guys do it. And I was like, man, why don't I just talk about it for a little while and just kind of show you how I approach it. And again, not that I don't have fear. I, I do have fear. And I, you know, there's times when I have to battle it too and try and figure out my way through it. But I try and get to that point where I'm like, okay, well, if I push through it, I always feel better. Even if it doesn't work out, I'm proud of myself for stepping through this fire that I was afraid to step through and that always feels better regardless of the outcome on the other end and um, the other thing too that I've I've tried to incorporate into my life is that I try to surround myself with people who are pretty positive and they're not acting out of fear like for me when I started stand-up for example the people that were around me were very supportive. They were like, man, you should just totally do this. You know, you could, you should get up on stage. You know, like it was just nothing but support. If I had been around people who were like, dude, I would never do that. Like, what if it sucks? What if you suck? Uh, you know, that's the toughest thing. Most people are terrified to do that. Maybe I don't go on stage. Maybe their fear combines with the fear I already have to supersize my fear and now my feet don't move and I don't go to a comedy club and try it. So I think sometimes you got to kind of do a quick look around your social group and look around who you surround yourself with and talk to on a weekly basis, a daily basis 
and ask yourself, like, are these people helping me get to where I want to get? Are these people doing the stuff that they want to do? That's something to ask yourself, too. Because quite often, the people who are giving you advice, they're not even following their own dreams. So it's like, well, why the hell would I take advice from this person if they're, they've never even tackled their own fears? And they're coming at me about how I'm approaching mine, you know? But when you are around people who have done that and pushed through fear or they're following the thing that they're passionate about, that's contagious too. So you go, well, okay, well, they, they've done it and they're energized about it. And then that kind of energy rubs off on you too. But the negative one also rubs off on you. So I feel like I was really, really lucky in a lot of ways because I, I had people who were supportive. I had people who were positive and they were, they were encouraging to me. So that, that meant a lot. For a lot of folks, it can be really tough because if you have responsibilities, you have kids, you have a significant other, maybe you're younger and your folks, you know, are kind of chirping in your ear about what they want you to do or what they think you should do. And you're fearful of letting them down or fearful of not meeting your financial responsibilities. Like all these things will handcuff you if you don't figure out a way through it. And um, like I said, I've seen it with friends of mine. I've had it happen to me. It's, it's just one of those things that you just have to figure out, how am I blowing through it? There's the wall. I can go around it, above it, through it, underneath it, but this can't be the end of the game. This is just going to be a, I got to take an alternate route here. So um, you kind of just have to accept that that's going to be, that's going to be the process. going to be lots of bruises, going to fall a ton, but at the end of the day, you're going to be happier when you get to that place that you're, you're looking to get to. But my favorite fear quote is one that I read many, many years ago. I don't know who it's attributed to, but it is a real simple one. You've probably heard it before is that everything you want is on the other side of fear. Everything you want is on the other side of fear. And I'm like, when I read that at the time, I was like, how true is that? You know, when you think about how many times you've been paralyzed and not doing something or you've been like, oh, uh, you've been in perfectionist mode and, you know, you're going to do that, but not right now because da, da, da. Or, you know, when I get this doing da, 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 or when the kids grow up, I'm going to like we start making all these stories because you want the perfect scenario and the perfect setting. And it's like, all right. I think it was Sarah Silverman, the comedian and, uh, and actor. She said, she said the minute someone says, I was thinking about, she goes, no, you won't. <laughs> she cuts them off right there. I was thinking about doing, she's like, no, if you're just saying this, like, I'm just, I'm thinking about, it's like, no, you're just making up excuses as to how you can prolong this and put it off and procrastinate and, uh, and do it. And a bunch of the episodes of my podcast that have previously been released, you know, there's, it comes up a bunch. I mean, I remember the one with um, Danny Graves from The Watchmen. We talked about songwriting process and he, he talks about it too, about like, you know, how you can go in these funks of, you know, I think he talks about how he needed to get a new computer and then he was going to get this new book and he was going to start writing and he needed to wait till he got what, you know, and you start making up all these excuses to just, do the work that you're going to do. And again, I think it all comes down to fear. It's fear of getting back in the saddle again and getting back to work. And what if it's not there? What if the skill you had before after a long hiatus is not there anymore? That'd be terrifying. 
you know? So we make up excuses as to why we can't do the thing that we, we know we should do, you know? Um, you know, I put up videos on social media about going to the gym. It's like, oh, I'm not in the mood to go. I'm tired. Um, you know, it's just excuses. It's like, well, what am I, um, what am I, what am I afraid of here? It's like, oh, I was supposed to do this one workout. It looks like it's pretty brutal. You know, it just, again, it manifests itself in so many different ways. And, um, when we're aware of it, life gets a little bit easier. Um, I don't think fear ever goes away. I think you'll always have some element of it in your life, but I think, and you should have an element of your life. I think it, it's, it means you're human, you know? Um, so we're always going to have some of it there, but I think when you learn to figure out how to push through it then you, your life changes, it's, you know, it's, uh, it is an absolute, an absolute game changer. And like I said, if you can think about all the times that you did push through it and good things happened on the other end, or just simply that you survived the time that you pushed through fear, then when I think you would do it more often, but we often, again, we're paralyzed by it, or we think about the times we pushed through it and we failed and how it hurt in some way. And then that paralyzes us going forward the next time, you know? So, you know, these things are, uh, that's just what it is to be human, man fear we all uh we all got it it's a, it's it's a thing that we're we're hardwired to have so you've got to learn to dance with it and uh you know i think liz gilbert she wrote the book eat pray love and she's got a great book called uh, big magic which is about creativity so whether you consider yourself creative or not or if you just want to kind of delve into your creative side a little bit more and her definition of creativity is not like you know just performers or singers or artists or whatever it's just anybody who wants to kind of create anything if you you know you know if you like working in a, in your garden and planting flowers that's creativity really everything is creativity you know from you look at the furniture you're sitting on someone created it someone designed it you know so there's creativity in every aspect of life really when you broaden the definition of it and she talks about, you know, she wrote the book Eat, Pray, Love, and it, you know, went on to be like a global phenomenon and the movie with Julia Roberts. And, you know, she had written lots of books before that she'd put lots of love and effort into, but none of them resonated with the, with the world the way this book did. So her life just kind of took off, her world took off. And she wrote this book, Big Magic, talking about creativity and about how how you deal with fear and she really does look at fear as like it's just kind of with you all the time and so you have to kind of negotiate with it to get to the place that you want to get to and I think she gives the example of you know she's going to start to write a book and you know she's struggling to kind of get in that groove and do whatever and so she kind of addresses fear by saying like look I know what you're trying to do you're critiquing all everything that I'm doing you're critiquing my process you're critiquing the topic I've chosen and it's just her little note to fear is like, I address, I acknowledge you, but we're going anyway. We're going in this direction. So you can come. You don't get to drive the car. You don't get to suggest, you know, where we're going or what turns we're going to take. Or you don't even get to touch the music in the car. You can come in the car, but you don't get a say. And that's how she kind of addresses traveling with, with fear in general. And I think it's kind of a good, it's a good way to look at it. So when it shows up. You're like, oh, there you are. Hey, how's it going? Good. Anyway, put your seatbelt on because we're going in that direction, you know? 
And then uh, fear is kind of your co-pilot for anything that you're moving through. I don't know if any of this made any sense or if you're like, my God, did Trent eat mushrooms? What is happening? I didn't, by the way. But uh, I did not. But I, um, I, I feel like a lot of people, it comes up in conversations when I'm talking to people. And as I said, it's a question I've gotten, I'd say, a thousand times as a stand-up comedian. People ask me about how do you how do you do that or how do you push through fear and get up on stage and and do something like that so I thought well here's kind of what I've read about and learned and kind of what I've applied to my own life and maybe you can use it for yours a good thing too another little tip that I or two that I like to do is that change up your um change up your daily rituals like again fear is I'm telling you it's a chameleon like we go to our favorite restaurant and we pick the same meal every time because we know that we like that meal. We're fearful that if we go to our favorite restaurant and choose a different meal, that it won't be as good as the one that we really like and then we'll be let down. So there's all these little exercises you can do, like go to your favorite restaurant and you cannot choose the meal you love. Choose something else. Just one time, just do it. Maybe you might like it more, maybe you'll hate it. I don't know. But just get in the habit of every now and then changing it up and trying something different, going for it. The same way you go to work every day, what if you try to change it up? What if you're like, no, not going to go that way today. Going to change it up and take a different route. Might end up being longer, might end up being shorter. It's irrelevant. doesn't matter. It's just getting in the habit of trying something different and not being fearful of what plan B is or what the option is. Go to a coffee shop. You get the same thing every single day. One day this week, order something different. Just do it. Don't even worry about if it's good or not. Who cares? It's irrelevant to you. You're like, I'm just trying to get in the habit of trying something different, trying something new. And you can start with small exercises like that. I think that really, really help. I try and try and do that, you know? Like, what can I, how can I approach something a little bit differently? It helps me creatively, too, but also just in life in general, you get in that mindset of, you know, you travel somewhere. We all like going to our favorite places. That's great. But can you go somewhere different? Can you, can you check out a different area? Music, you know? You got your favorite artists you love listening to. Like, how do you find new stuff? How can you buy, buy an album without having, reading any reviews or knowing who that artist is? Just buy the album. Boom. Don't know anything about this person. Never heard her name. I know nothing. I'm going to buy it and listen to it from start to finish while I'm doing something else or whatever. Same thing with movies. You're going to go buy a movie or, you know, go to a movie or watch one on Netflix. Don't read anything about it. Just choose it. See what happens. Right? And I think little things like that get you in the habit of not overthinking things. Because I think that's a major thing, too, for a lot of us is the whole adage of, you know, um, paralysis by analysis. I don't know if you've heard that term before. Paralysis by analysis, where we just overthink stuff and overthink stuff. Oh my God, what if that happens? Worst case scenario. Well, I don't want to do that because if I do that, this could happen. But if I do that, that could happen. And I don't know if I should, you just, there's no action there. It's just your mind creating scenarios that are going to end up with you being in a bad way. So being able to make decisions quickly. And I mean, obviously there are things in your life you need to ponder longer than others, but get in the, the, the mindset of just like acting on stuff. Just do, don't sit around thinking about it. I'll give an example. I, I've wanted to play guitar for years. Like, I've lo- I love music. I love the look of guitars. I love the sound of guitars. 
I had one, I think, when I was a young kid, like that I just, you know, would fool around with, like a toy guitar, but I never ever really, you know, learned it. And I regret that I didn't. And then because I took so much, so long for me to finally buy one, you build up all these stories about why you can't and when you get time and, you know, I don't know how to do it. And so now I'm trying to learn guitar and it's really hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It's frustrating and I'm still chipping away at it and I'm not very good at all. And I don't even know all the chords, but I'm just trying to enjoy the process of it. And just went out one day, I was like, I'm going to go buy a guitar. It's not going to be expensive. I'm going to go buy a guitar and I'm going to watch some YouTube videos, try and learn some chords and go at this thing. But I had to get over that fear of like, well, what if I'm not any good? And I'm already, they say, once you get older, it's harder to learn because it's easier to learn when you're younger and just make up all these bullshit stories and scenarios. And I'm like, I just need to stop thinking about it and just go out and do it. So that's what I did. And I'm just trying to enjoy it. And like I said, sometimes it's frustrating, but like I'm making progress. So it's good. So the the answer is always doing something instead of thinking about it and overthinking it and being fear led all the time. Just do it. Just do something like don't just sit around analyzing all the different scenarios. At some point you got to pull the trigger. You got to launch. And, uh, that's, um, that's an important thing. I mean, I got friends of mine, I know comedians who record albums and stuff and then don't put them out because they're afraid of, you know, what the reaction is going to be, or they don't think the material is good enough anymore. Like that's all fear, which is ironic to me because we go up on stage and people consider stand-up comedy to be one of the most terrifying things ever. You do that. You're amazing at it. Then you bring in a crew to record what you just did. Now you have the footage or audio and you want to put it out in the world. And now you're too afraid to put it out. It's like you already did the hardest part. You did stand-up comedy. You know, you hired a crew. You did all that stuff. That's also tough to do and, and get organized. And now all you got to do is just put it out in the world. That's the easiest part. You know, but we tell ourselves stories about why we can't. And the next thing you know, it's not done. So, yeah, that's my message this week. Whatever it is, try and tackle something that you're fearful of. Um, try and surround yourself with people who are positive and people who who are encouraging and people that are also tackling their fears. Cause like I said, that stuff's contagious. That energy is awesome to be around and, um, and use some of those tips, order something different at a restaurant, go to a movie, you know, nothing about, what do you care? I'm sure you've wasted time in worse ways. So what would it mean to buy an album that you've, you know, nothing about just to listen to from start to finish? Who cares? You might love it. You might not, but you're just getting yourself in the practice of trying something different. And uh, I think it will serve you well going forward. I think you will see a difference in how you approach things and how you uh, look at the world. Anyway, that's this episode of the Generators Podcast. Have an awesome week. Crush it out there. I, uh, like I said, I should have some tour dates for you guys really, really soon. I appreciate your patience. And um, yeah, hope all is well. Enjoy the week. And uh, I'll see you next week on the Generators Podcast.